Benson's podcast. I'm Stephen Coos Benson, the host of your pod, this podcast. You know, the purpose of this podcast is to explore my thoughts and ideas about religion, spirituality, and life. You know, from posting sermons, you know, to interviews. I've got some really exciting interviews coming up over the next couple weeks. To sermonettes, like today, I'm going to do a sermonette. You know, I hope this podcast prompts your own thoughts and creativity. I mean, I like to share with you my ideas, but really, I mean, these are just my ideas. The most important thing are your ideas, you know, what you think. And I hope to prompt your thoughts and ideas. You know, I want to share with you something today that might rattle your spiritual cage. You know, I've been doing that a lot lately. You know, it's never my intention. I start talking about things that are like, "Mm, meh, not much. And like, wham, all of a sudden I've uh, made people angry. I've rattled their cage. You know, and while I tend to kind of, hopefully my ideas will set people free, uh, set people free, you know, recently I feel like I've been kicking the hornet's nest, you know, letting loose like a gaggle of wasps. But, you know, so while this podcast might be one that rattles you, I want you always to remember it's a good thing to have your faith rattled. It's a good thing to have your faith stretched. You know, so today I want to deal with a difficult issue for a lot of folks. The question is this. Did Jesus die as a sacrifice for our sins? Is this the purpose of Jesus' death? Did God send Jesus with the explicit purpose to die for us as a blood sacrifice that washed away our sins? Now, I want to disagree with this. It was really interesting as I was uh, preparing for this podcast. I've been working on this podcast for the past several weeks. You know, and I talked with people about my ideas and people, you know, they would raise their eyebrows. You know, a couple of people said, you can't do that. You can't disagree, you know, with the doctrines of the church. And I, I always want to say, I've disagreed with the doctrines of the church my entire life, my entire career. Why should I stop disagreeing with them now? You know, I talk and teach as a progressive Christian. You know, progressive Christians, there are certain things that are a hallmark of who we are. We do not take the Bible literally. We constantly take the doctrines of the church and we want to reform their, uh, reform them for our current day. You know, so what I'm sharing is not new news. You know, progressive uh, theologians have been teaching my thoughts for decades. People like the Franciscan theologian Richard Rohr, uh, Robert Meyer in his great book, Saving Jesus from the Church, Rob Bell, Love Wins, you know, the late Marcus Borg and all of his books. You know, they're all progressive theologians who work to bring the Christian faith to reform those um, those doctrines for the modern era. So, you know, for me, I just keep on believing I'm standing on the shoulders of some really great people who came before me. So, all right, let's dive in. Did Jesus die as a sacrifice for our sins? You know, this view is the hallmark for many evangelical Christians. You know, as Father Richard Rohr says, you know, when he taught on this topic, he says, you know, disagree with this and they'll walk out of the room. They'll call you a heretic. Well, you know, I guess that's nothing new. I've been labeled that before. You know, um, did Jesus die as a sacrifice for my sins? You know, I've never identified with this. You know, I was repeatedly taught this as a teenager in uh, youth groups and young life in high school. But you know what? It never stuck with me. I used to think, really? The God of love sent Jesus. That was the purpose of sending Jesus in the world, for the sole purpose of killing him so I could be forgiven. You know, it just didn't add up. You know, it just can't be. You know, it wasn't what drew me to Jesus. You know, Jesus drew me to God's love. He drew me to God's forgiveness, grace, and joy. You know, I was drawn to Jesus because of his vision of God and reality. God didn't need to kill Jesus for me. God's love was just enough. You know, so 
throughout my entire uh, career and it's my entire life as uh, as a Christian, you know, I've wrestled with this notion as Jesus as a sacrifice, uh, as a sense, I, you know, for my ministry. You know, I kept these feelings to myself because, you know, if I disagreed with this doctrine, could I really consider myself a Christian? Could I really disagree with this doctrine and still be a pastor in good standing? So, if, you know, for many years, I tucked my feelings and views under my uh, pastoral robe, you know, and talked the party line. But, you know, over the years, people would slink up to me and kind of in confessional tone. And, and they would ask, you know, how come God, a God of love, required Jesus to be killed to forgive our sins? How come it took a blood sacrifice? Why couldn't God just forgive us without a death? You know, I really resonate with those questions. And because people would come to me with those questions, I just started, I decided I'd start coming out you know, pretty clearly and publicly like on this podcast and share with you exactly what it is that I believe. So, you know, did Jesus die for our sins? I mean, so yes and no. Um, here's the yes part of it. Jesus died for your sins if you were a first century Christian. You know, first century Christians, those people who lived when Jesus was, was alive, they were sacrificial people. Uh, their theological base, how they understood what it meant to be in a relationship with God, was grounded in sacrifice. They went to the, t went to the temple. They offered either a cereal offering or the offering of a bird, a lamb, or a bull based upon the severity of their sin. The blood of the animal cleansed them. Um, it was kind of a substitution. It was actually your blood that needed to be spilled but because of your sin. But uh, they didn't believe in the human sacrifice, so the animal substituted for them. It was called substitutionary atonement. You know, so in the anim animal, uh, annual, say the word, in the annual celebration of the Passover, the community gathered to sacrifice an unblemished lamb. The blood of the lamb cleansed the people of their sin for another year. It was a significant aspect of how people understood their relationship with God. You know, this sacrificial worldview held sway for hundreds of years. You know, hundreds of years that preceded the life of Jesus. You know, it was how people were able to have their sins forgiven. You know, so this was the sacrificial worldview was the world into which Jesus lived and his follower lives, followers live. So that's the worldview. Okay, now, fast forward to the crucifixion. You know, the crucifixion of Jesus. This had to be the most traumatic event for the followers of Jesus. And follow that up with the resurrection, one of the most uh, miraculous and mystifying events. You know, they, uh, Jesus was their teacher, their master, but more he was their friend. You know, for those of them who called him the Messiah, the crucifixion shattered their dreams. For those who called him the Messiah, the resurrection reformed themselves. They had to come to terms with what did this all now mean? You know, so in the wake of the trauma and the mystery of the crucifixion and wrestle and resurrection, they had to wrestle with what this all meant. You know, was the crucifixion just an empty, tragic event, or was there something significant about it? You know, so the key thing that happened is over the next 40 years, those early disciples began to wrestle with what does the resurrection mean and what does the crucifixion mean? And they began to understand his death from the sacrificial model. They began to think of him as the perfect sacrifice. You know, like I said, you know, he would the blood they uh, sacrificed an um, an unblemished lamb. Well, Jesus was that sac sacrificial unblemished lamb, whose blood now cleansed them once and for all. You know, they didn't need to keep going to the temple to sacrifice. Jesus' blood cleansed them. 
and their worldview and their worldview, you know, it was liberating. It was freeing. Jesus freed them. He died for their sins. In their theological worldview, God allowed him to be sacrificed, so their sins were forgiven. And then, you know, as they began, started thinking about this and wrestling with this, you know, they began writing this into the letters that they began sharing back and forth with one another. You know, in 1 John 2, 2, uh, he, he, uh, he wrote, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the world. Now, I love that, the sins of the whole world. So if nothing else, if we want to say that he's a sacrifice for our sins, it embraced the entire world. So I like that, that verse. Romans 3.25, uh, Jesus whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood. 1 Peter 1, 18-20, uh, uh, the author writes, You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited by your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without defeat or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. So they were taking these ideas and they were sharing it back and forth with one another in their letters. You know, and then those letters became codified into scripture 300 years later and it became the Bible and it's now the Bible that we have. You know, so uh, these, this whole concept of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. I mean, let me be really clear. It's in there in the Bible. Um, so, you know, if you take the Bible literally, then indeed Jesus was a sacrifice for your sins. Everybody who takes the Bible literally, this is a very important and clear teaching for them. But what about people like me or people like you? Uh, people who do not take the Bible literally, but they take the Bible seriously. You know, can these passages be taken instead of literally? Can they be taken metaphorically? You know, for me, I look at, it, at these passages from a metaphorical perspective, and I can say that... Um, it wasn't God's intended purpose for Jesus that he be sacrificed. Instead, God's intended purpose for Jesus was to bring us joy so that our joy might be full. God's purpose for Jesus' life was to show us love, mercy, grace, and compassion. These things show us how we become one with God. You know, when we interpret Jesus' death, there are two things that I take from it, freedom and, and at one minute. So by taking it metaphorically, those are the two phrases I want to come back to, freedom and this term at one minute. Let me deal with freedom first. You know, for the first century Christians, Jesus died as a freedom, that Jesus freed them from having to sacrifice for, for, their, for their sins of the temple. The key word here is freedom. How does the life of Jesus free you? How does the life of Jesus free you from the burden of your sins? You know, if you're carrying your sins like a bag of rocks upon your back, then you know what? You need to let go of the bag. God forgives you. You're free. You're free to begin again. You're free to discover a new sense of life. Jesus' life shows you God's freedom. Be free. As those same, those first century Christians felt freedom, you need to be free. That's what Jesus came to do, to, is to set us free. And then this term, at one minute. At, uh, atonement. Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for our sins at one minute. Atonement at one minute. It was kind of a play on words there. You know, uh, the people who believe that Jesus was a sacrifice for our sins, that, you know, that Jesus' death was that thing that brought us at one minute, made us one with God. He makes us one with God. You know, through the blood of Jesus, the early Christians felt their sins were atoned for. They were made at one with God through the life 
and death and crucifixion of Jesus. You know, so I get the sacrificial view. I understand it. I understand how this is significant for people in their life. It's just not for me. You know, I experienced this at one moment through compassion. I experienced this at one moment through love, through tenderness and joy. You know, I experienced unity with God through worship. My sins are forgiven by the simple love and action of God, not through a blood sacrifice of a human being. So, you know, what then is the meaning of the crucifixion? You know, is there any redeeming act of the crucifixion? You know, for me, the crucifixion is the tragic story of when Jesus was lynched. You know, he became a threat to the temple authorities. The temple leaders colluded with the local Roman presence. He was tried by a kangaroo court and lynched. The meaning I take from the crucifixion is Jesus' commitment to his vision of God and his commitment to compassion and forgiveness. He lived in his death what he taught in his life. The effect of this crucifixion in my life is that it emboldens me to stay committed to Jesus' vision of God, his teachings, and his view of compassion. So, you know, in my view, I don't need to accept Jesus as a sacrifice for my sins. God didn't send Jesus intentionally to die as a sacrifice. He was just killed, plain and simple. It's like, I would disagree with like 1 Peter where, where it says like, before the beginning of the world, God predestined Jesus. No, I didn't. I disagree with that. God predestined Jesus to bring us joy and hope and meaning. So, you know, does this mean that it's wrong to believe that Jesus was a sacrifice for our sins? You know, no, of course not. You know, uh, as I said, it's a significant part of the New Testament vision. You know, I know many people who see this as a significant part of their lives. They find it liberating to know that, that he died so their sins are forgiven. I don't want to take anything away from them. You know, Jesus' blood has washed them clean. You know, um, I think that if they people find this a significant doctrine, they find that one man, then you know what? God bless them. You know, I just think, however, there's also got to be room for people like myself. There's got to be people, there's got to be room for people like the rest of us who don't agree with this model, or maybe who never agreed with it, or who maybe stay away from Christianity because of notions uh, like a blood sacrifice. You know, people like me, me believe that God, was for, that God has forgiven us simply out of God's loving nature. God has embraced us for simply being ourselves. God's motivation was love, not sacrifice. No one had to die in our place. No one had to be sacrificed for us. No, we are simply loved by God. This is at one This is atonement. This is how we find one with God. So, can you still be a Christian and not believe that Jesus died for your sins? You know, I do. I call myself a Christian. You know, I, even, I uh, joke with people that either I'm the best kind of Christian or I'm the worst kind of Christian. You know, you might call me the worst kind of Christian because um, I'm going to disagree with doctrines and I'm going to try to reframe them for our current life. You know, I'm the best kind of Christian because I engage this process of reformation, of doing something new with Christianity. You know, can you disagree with the New Testament and call yourself a Christian? You know, in, in I do in many places. You know, I don't take the Bible literally. I think many passages of the New Testament are historically locked, or of the Bible, they're historically locked and they have they don't apply to our lives. You know, in other places, we need to kind of reframe them, um, take them metaphorically for our life. You know, so out of love, I believe that God forgives me. Jesus showed me this love. 
That for me is how I understand the metaphorical uh, dimension of God's love and the purpose of Jesus' life. Okay, so a lot of words. What I'm sharing today is nothing new. I want to remind you of that. Progressive Christians have believed this for years. I consider myself a progressive uh, Christian. I hope you do too. I want to share with you these ideas to kind of get you going in your own thoughts. Um, so there's my vision of Jesus as being a sacrifice for our sins. But really, who cares what I believe? It's what you believe that counts. So there we go. There's another episode of the Stephen Poo's Benson podcast. I hope this rattled your cage. I hope this uh, stretched your faith. I hope you're thinking, man, this guy's a heretic, or maybe this guy is on to something holy. Hey, take care. Have a great week. Uh, listen for the next episode of the Stephen Poo's Benson podcast. Well, take care. See you. Bye.